BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I was too embarrassed to tell people what was really going on in my household. Nobody really knew. None of my insiders knew. Welcome to the I Did Not Sign Up For This podcast, a weekly show dedicated to highlighting the incredible stories of everyday people. No topic is off limits. Join me as we explore the lives and experiences of guests through thought-provoking, unscripted conversations. I'm your host, Carling, a Canadian, queer-identifying, 30-something-year-old, providing a platform for the stories that need to be heard. Hello, Linda. Hi, Carling. How are you I'm good. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for joining. I've been so excited to talk to you. I would love it if you introduce yourself and then we'll get into your story. Absolutely. So my name is Linda Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E. And I'm from Chicago. I have been a personal trainer and well-being advisor for almost two decades. I started when I was at a strange part in my life. I was going through a divorce. I knew that somebody was going to see me naked one day and I knew I was in shape. And so I hired a trainer and then within a year, I became a personal trainer. I went ahead and made sure that I was, I studied and I certified and qualified and went on to be a personal trainer. So that's how my career started. I've received a number of different qualifications and certifications since, which includes expert in nutrition, expert in senior fitness training. I've been dealing with clients for all these years and every hour I get a new personality and I have a new person on my schedule constantly. And so with that type of training, I have all types of personal situations that go on every hour with my clients. Sometimes they walk in in a really good mood. Sometimes they're in a bad mood. Sometimes they're sad. You never know what's going to walk in the door. So I've been, I'm equipped to handle almost anything. And that's what uh, brought me to my next endeavor, which was writing a book. That's amazing. Yeah. I think personal training is one of those careers that you end up being like a therapist because that's where people go and they just, they're vulnerable and just let it all out. Yeah. yeah. And I see a lot of my clients two to three hours a week. And so technically I spend more time with them than I do with my own mother Yeah, and some of my best friends. So I get to know them really well. And there've been plenty of times a client has walked in the door and we've not lifted one weight. They'll sit down on the bench next to me and we sit and chit chat the whole time because wow. they're just having a bad day. You're just not up to it. Yeah. So wind up solving the world's problems in one hour and it's <laughs> and you never know what's going to come. But every client that I've had, I've gotten just as much out of the hours with them as they have from me. Wow. 
And so I want to get into what you wrote a book. Did you write a book specifically through your journey of personal training or I guess what led up to the moment that you decided to change your life and get a personal trainer yourself? Yeah. Where does your story begin? In my book, my story begins when I'm a little girl, actually, but I will tell you this as far as what made me want to write the book. I'll get to that question first was everybody has a story, as you know very well from your podcast, and which is one of the greatest things about your podcast is you let everybody tell their story and everybody's story is so unique. But what's great about every person that you've had on, or at least the people I've listened to, is I can draw a parallel with almost every person you've had on. Yeah. And none of us had very similar lives, but there's something about it that's very unique and very similar at the same time. Just thought after all these years of dealing with my clients and they come to me for issues and problems, I thought now is a good time to get my story on paper, to show them where I come up with this advice, what I did, what worked for me, where I came from, where I am today. And I just thought it was going to be a really good time to share my story with not just my clients, but everybody else out in the world. Yeah, that's huge. And so what was, maybe if you can give, don't obviously divulge your whole book, but what was life like for you going as far back as you want leading up to that moment of deciding to share? Sure. So my parents divorced when I was two years old. Now, a lot of people have that story. And I am not by any means going to blame my parents' divorce for anything that went on in my life. I, as a matter of fact, I think that I'm grateful that they divorced when I was so young instead of when I was a little bit older and already established in family traditions and this and that. I don't recall any traditions prior to it. So it actually was great timing for me. I knew that certain things were with my dad and certain things were with my mom and everything was great. But what happened was when I was about nine years old, I had a falling out with my stepfather and he made sure that I was miserable as often as he possibly could oh. from, you know, 17 years old and finally got the hell out of my house. And again, my story in my book is not nearly as detrimental as some kids' stories. Some kids are abused in, in a much worse way. And so I'm not even going to claim that I had the worst life ever. All I'm claiming in my book is I had a difficult childhood and I made a plan to get out of my house at a very early age. And I made sure that I was that I followed through on it because I learned pretty early that we do have more control over our lives than we think we do. We have boundaries as kids because we know right from wrong. We know what feels right. We know what feels wrong, but we can't count on adults to respect those boundaries. So as we grow older, we just become conditioned to people disrespecting our boundaries and disrespecting us. And sometimes we never find a voice to finally put our foot down, but eventually some of us find a voice at all different stages of our lives. And we finally put our foot down and say, no more, you're not going to treat me that way. Unfortunately, that often requires us to say goodbye to people that we love. Mm -hmm. And that's unfortunate because when people say, why do you let him treat you that way? Why don't you just leave? You can't make somebody treat you the way you want to be treated. You can set boundaries for them. We just rely on people to be good people. Yeah. And if they're not and they have repeat behavior, it's time that we get out. Yeah. And so what I talk about in my book, besides my childhood, how my behavior then and my actions and reactions bled into my adult relationships. And I found myself in a couple of situations that I had to try to get myself out of again. And it's just crazy how history repeats itself and how your 
childhood trauma bleeds into your adult relationships. It's so scary. I can look back. Hindsight's always twenty twenty. I can look back and see parallels between how my childhood was and what I ended up putting up with in relationships in my early adult life. And now is like I'm a step parent. I have two step kids and I'm just forever so aware what they witness and how they're treated and their experiences like in this home are going to affect their future relationships. It's a lot. And thank God that you're smart enough to do that because a lot of people, they don't take a look within. They don't look at things like that. They just live right here and now. And they don't think of how their actions or reactions are going to affect others in the home and when they grow up. And as a step parent, it's difficult. The man that I'm dating right now, he has two children. They don't live in the same state as he does. So I don't see them all the time. So when I do see them, it's everything's great because we don't, you know, it's quality time. It's great. But when you have to live with somebody on the regular, boy, that's difficult. You may have some closed door discussions, that's not how I would have handled that. Or And then it causes some friction. Yeah. And did you maintain a relationship with your mom and stepdad or just your mom? So I re- retained a relationship with my mother throughout the situation. And as I became older, I started to realize that she felt very stuck and didn't know how to get out of the situation that she was in because she didn't have a plan like I did. Yeah. Because in my adult relationships, I made a plan and I followed through with them. She didn't have a plan and she didn't have the resources that I did. I had a college education because I made myself, I went back to school to get it. She did not have that. So she knew her income level was going to be a lot smaller than my potential. And she wasn't willing to make the changes that I was willing to. I had to live in an apartment with my kids. That's what I was willing to do once I, my, my divorce, she was not willing to do that. She liked the lifestyle. She wanted to make sure I had a decent lifestyle. She put the other stuff aside and said, but look at these great things we have. Right. So she made a choice and that was her choice. And again, as I, as I grew, I understood her choices, but at the time I didn't, but I still remain, we remain close. I don't talk about it in my book, but later in life, my stepfather and I actually became close again, friendly. Oh, again. wow. Okay. That's great. Yeah. And yeah, in the strangest way, the story wound up with a happy ending, but the trauma never left. Me. Yeah. Even though we got along. There were days that I was like, I just thought about him and I could scream, oh. even though we were back on friendly terms. Yeah. I have a good weekend with them. And I, on a Monday morning, I wake up and I think, my God, you son of a bitch. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so as far as forgiveness, I don't know. I'm not a very good forgiver, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be there. Yeah. I know. It's one of those things that, yeah, once you hold on to it, you can sometimes pretend it's not there, but it finds its way back, I think. Sure does. Yeah. Did that sort of impact your relationship going into having a husband and kids? Yes. So the man I married wound up being somewhat similar to my stepfather. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I had a real dad who was amazing. Like, why couldn't I pick a guy like him? That's Yeah. And did you grow up seeing him a lot? Did you have access to him? Yeah. All the time, I had the greatest weekends with my dad. It was the five days in between that were brutal. Three days, there's two days on the weekend were amazing with my dad. But he didn't really know everything that was going on. I didn't want to divulge it all because I didn't want to start any more trouble at home. But the two days that I was with him were just fantastic. I wouldn't have had it any other way. So I had that. And again, I think it all goes back to the 
stuff that we endure more literally when we're little. I found myself in this, like always trying to get acceptance and approval. And I wound up with that kind of man. I wanted him to want to be with me and it just never seemed to happen. I would work harder and harder to try to be that and to make that happen. It just, it's just crazy. The things that we repeat Yeah, that we're constantly trying to feed something that wasn't fed back in the day. When I finally realized that I had to get out of that marriage, that took a five-year plan because I had because I had to get my little one in kindergarten and I had to finish my college degree. And I, that was a five-year plan. And I guess the whole premise of my book is when you think that your life is so tough and, oh my gosh, you feel stuck and what am I going to do? There's always a way out, but you have to get a plan and you have to get a good support group and you have to count on people to, because there's always people who want to help you. The problem is us. Mm -hmm. We don't want, we're embarrassed to ask for it or we think we could do whatever the case may be. So it's usually us. We're our worst enemies. But if we can gather our support group and get good people on our side, we can make the changes that we want to make in order to make ourselves happy. Yeah. We're the only ones in charge of us. What was the catalyst for you deciding, okay, I need to make a five-year plan? There was there was a tapping on the cake, I guess I'd want to call it. My husband at the time, he wasn't home very often. He wasn't around for the kids. And he worked hard. Don't get me wrong. He worked hard and allowed me to stay home and be a stay-at-home mom. I did work as well from home. But so he worked hard, but he had that work hard, play hard mentality. Yeah. So it was when my kids started picking up on his behavior and that's what did it. I was like, wow, my kids are starting to really understand what is going on here. It is my job to let them know that this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I felt like I owed it to them because, again, so many moms and dads stay in marriages, bad marriages for the kids. Yeah, realize that it's really hurting them, and you could really have an opportunity to teach them a really great lesson by moving on and leaving a toxic situation. But we forget that we just think, oh, the kids don't want us to get divorced. We don't look. We, it's so hard to look long term. Yeah, I always think what a beautiful act of showing your kids healthy relationships can look like. And sometimes that means ending the relationship and changing the dynamic. Yes. I think ultimately that sets up kids for better standards for themselves, I hope. I hope so too. And again, it lets the kids see where you started and where you wound up. And they get to see because it's scary. It's not an easy transition. Nobody is going to tell you it's easy. And nobody's going to tell you it happens overnight. It's hell sometimes going through yeah. and you're going to hit some roads and make some, you have to make some changes. But when the kids, if they see what's going on and they might not realize it at the time, but looking back, I wasn't sure if my kids were going to love me or hate me. And look, and now looking back, they realize why I did what I did and when and what it took. And they realize that I had to go some pretty, through some pretty tough times and they did too. Yeah. But all I can tell you, everyone who's listening is no matter how bad it seems, it's going to be worth it to get to the other end. Yeah. And so you say part of that five-year plan was creating community or supports. Who was that for you? How did you tell people what you were going to do? But I was able to, once I went to get myself in shape, because when I started eating clean and I started working out and all of a sudden my head started thinking clearly Mm -hmm. and I started making friends with people outside of my group 
and I saw how real relationships worked. And I realized, and I was able to really say, okay, mine is wrong. There's our right. Yeah. <laughs> or there's look healthy and mine don't. Yeah. So I was able to really decide what was right and wrong. I was able to get the support from, like I said, outsiders, because I was too embarrassed to tell people on the inside what was really going on. And I was able to have somebody help with my career so that I was able to build a, build the education for myself to start this new career that I had so that I could go out into the world and make a living off of it, off of personal training. And so there were a handful of people, a handful of my support group, but they were all outsiders. When my family found out I was getting divorced, they were shocked. Wow. Friends and family. It wasn't until me trying to defend myself that I actually told them what was going on. And they were like, oh, geez, we had no idea. Hey, let me say, since I was able to say something nice about my stepfather, my I have to say something nice about my ex-husband as well. We are actually friendly now together as well. Good. We have, yeah, we have kids together. He realizes his behavior was wrong. Even I realized that I probably didn't make his life so easy. And we were very young yeah. when we were, and I realized that we didn't have the tools that we needed in order to be a mom and dad at age 24. Wow. Yeah. And so I'm, I don't want to make excuses for him because sorry, put your big boy pants on, you're a dad yeah. and you got to changes. But at the same time, when you're not mentally or emotionally ready, you're not, I, there's nothing you could do about that. Yeah. Divorce doesn't have to be only one person did one horrible thing. I think I don't love Dr. Phil, but he says to every pancake has two sides. And I think it does. It's so mature to look at a relationship and say, this isn't healthy for anybody and it needs to change. So I'm curious, before you got your personal trainer, what was your mindset, your health, all of that? And then can you talk a little bit about your experience deciding to get a personal trainer and what that first bit was like? Yes. Yeah. Those, that was a really uh, turning point in my life. So prior to the personal trainer, I was always conscientious of my health. When I started to go to college, I took uh, nutrition classes and so forth. I was always fit in a way where I was active, I should mm -hmm. say. I was active in high school. I was active after high school. I worked out what I thought was working out. Now that I know what it really entails, I was dabbling. Back then. <laughs> yeah. I'd rollerblade. Oh, I, you know, yeah. I kept myself yeah, that's what my life was like prior to getting pregnant. And then I got pregnant and it became all about my kids. I was barely even eating when I had kids because I didn't have time. It was all about, I started out with twins right off the bat. So I was busy and I didn't have a lot of help. I had a mom and I had a mother-in-law and they helped when they could, but it was very difficult. My, my husband, like I said, was never home. And so I was busy running. And even when my kids were old enough to eat real food, what I would eat, not even kidding you, were the crusts off of their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and whatever leftover pancakes or French toast was on their plate in the morning before school. Yeah, so like that why was, do moms were... do that? That's such a mom thing. My sister does oh, it. Yes. Yeah. It's such a mom. For some reason, we don't take time for ourselves. And I did a speaking event one one time at the Best You. You'll find it on my YouTube. And I actually do a 45-minute talk on that. I really discuss how you are not nearly as valuable to your family as you think you are unless you're taking care of yourself first. Yeah. And as selfish as it might seem, as selfish as you might feel, as selfish as people might say you are, they can all go suck it because you need to take care of yourself first yeah. or nearly as valuable as you could be. So anyway, yeah, I started... After 
my twins were now two and a half and I had my third baby. Then things got even worse. Now I'm not sleeping. Oh now I'm not God. eating. Yeah, it was just really bad. Yeah. I was just, you know, functioning on adrenaline and whatever else. Moms just do what we have to do. Yeah. We just do what we when I realized that I had to make this plan and I had to follow through, and one of the first things was going to be to to get in shape, that's like I said when I started thinking clearly. And I hired a trainer not long after that because I realized it was a lot more difficult than I thought it was. Back then, the internet just recently came out, but I'm not so tech savvy, so I wasn't so great at trying to find people yet, you know, information on on what to do and how to do it. So I would read magazines and I would pick little parts of each person's program that I thought I could do. And I tried to make my own program. It didn't work. I realized I have to hire an expert. Yeah. If I want expert results, I have to hire an expert. And I gave myself the analogy. If I was going to try to learn how to work my computer, I'm going to get someone in to teach me how to do it. I'm certainly not myself because I don't know how. If I'm going to build a shed in my backyard, I'm not just going to, be- I'm going to hire someone to do it. I don't know how to do this. Could I research it? Yes. Do I want to? No. Yeah. Do I have the time? No. So I have to hire an expert to do what I want to do. Yeah. So I hired an expert and the program that he taught me is the same exact program that I still teach today. Wow. It's almost 20 years. Yeah. That's it's, amazing. It's based on the math and the biology of the human body. And that's the basics. It's basic resistance training and basic nutrition. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. And every time I, I'm going to reinvent the wheel and add something to it, it, just, it's silly. I stopped doing that about 15 years ago. Wow. I think I was going to make it tweak it. And no, it, the basics are the best way to go. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah. And do you remember your first workout or the first little bit? with a trainer and how it was different? Yes, it was completely different because I didn't do any resistance training myself. Mm-hmm. And so handed me a pair of eight pound dumbbells. And now those of you who lift, you're, you'll know that eight pounds is nothing for bicep curls. But to me, I looked at him like he was crazy. And most of it was because I wasn't eating enough to even have the energy to lift them. Right. So eight pounds to, that he was out of his mind crazy to have me even lift these. And I, my first set, thing I said to him was, I don't want to look like a guy. I'm not trying to look like a guy. I don't want to have too much muscle. And he was rolling his eyes. If you only knew what it took to actually build that much muscle to look like a guy. <laughs> That's funny. So oh my God. Yeah, it was so funny. And even when he had me do my first set of abs, I couldn't even lift myself up because I didn't have C-sections, but I had, I forget what it's called, but it's when all the muscles in your abdominal area, when they rip oh, and they yeah. tear. And I, so I had no control over my muscles and my eyes. I couldn't even sit up wow. for a sit up. I get out of bed every day. Yeah. I just roll out of bed. If you get the right trainer, your trainer is not only going to guide you and correct your form, but they're going to educate you. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to give you a reason. And it's really, I just love the experience. It's, I wish I had a trainer now, to be honest, I'm the trainer yeah. and I don't have 
trainer and when my boyfriend and I work out together, he, we just do our thing. And sometimes I let him tell me like, oh, what are we doing next? I don't want to think about it. That's my favorite thing to do. Let him pick the workout. And so why did you decide to become a personal trainer? It's actually because, so I went, I knew I was going to have to work again. Okay. I was going to be back into the corporate world. I went for my first interview and I was dressed really nice, but I, by that time, I had a nice body. I'd already gotten my boobs done. So I walked in with my heels in what I thought was a really cute outfit, business-like. And I got the dirtiest looks from the women in the office as I was walking through to go to the office for my interview. And I was like, oh, gosh, it's so cold here. I, then it happened again. Same thing. Dirty looks. Everyone whispering as I'm walking past their queue to get to the office to interview. Even that person who interviewed me was a woman. And she was asking me all these questions about what's going to happen if your kids are sick one day. Uh, Are you going to be able to make it? What yeah. about? Um, yeah, asking me some real. And I was like, I guess I'll get a babysitter. What do moms do? Yeah, this, like, this is what we do. We go. And I, I didn't get that job. And I went on the third interview, and I again had a really bad experience. And I said, That's it. I am definitely not cut out for the corporate world. Right. I do not fit in with the people who I'd be working with. What are my other options? I love this training thing. I asked my trainer, Do you think I could? I'd be a good trainer. Do you think that I could do this? And he was like, absolutely. These gyms that we're working out in right now, you already know more than these trainers. You watch the trainers and you ask me, why are they doing that? And why is their form so bad? And why is, and so you already know a lot more than these trainers. Wow. So do it. I, when I got my certification, I went and I had my first interview. I got my job. And within two weeks, I had my first client, which is pretty good for a personal trainer. Usually it takes about a month. Yeah. And then within about a year and a half, I already had a wait list on my schedule because they knew that the, the program that I was teaching was what I was using myself. And people were like, oh my gosh, you have to teach me. And I was like, I cannot wait to tell the world how easy this is. Yeah. It's not as as we make it. It's basic weightlifting. It's basic nutrition. This is so easy. And I wanted to tell everybody. And they knew, they knew my enthusiasm. So again, wait list on my schedule. And then within a year and a half, I became the company that I worked for. It was a nationwide company. I became their number one female trainer. Wow. Nationwide. Out of 4,500, I was number one female and I was number two overall. Amazing. And the number one was my trainer. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so yeah. amazing. And what kind of clients do you to, do you find that you get? Do you have a favorite, not a favorite client, but like a type of client? So, and it's changed. It's evolved over the years. When I first started, I was younger. So I would attract all of the cute 20, 30 year olds who just wanted to look great in a bikini. Yeah, Those were my business clients at the time. As time went on, my schedule became 50-50, male to female. And my average client, my average age client now is about 50, okay. 52. And that's who I really enjoy working. I love it because first of all, I have clients in there from early 80s down to 15 years old right now, Wow, 12 actually. I love working with all the different ages because they're so different, mm-hmm. but I love clients my age group because first of all, they work so hard and I'm blown away with because of their hard work and the era of which they grew up in. Because they've always, they, I've got, I have the group that grew up with the key, the keychain, the necklace with the key at the end of it <laughs> when they were in kindergarten, first grade. Yeah. The group that yeah. I rush, hardworking. They're just a different type. They have the greatest stories. They have the, they're so wise. They're not afraid of anything. Sometimes I, I don't tell my clients in their thirties, but I always let them know 
if you could see what you're doing now versus my clients in their 30s, you would be blown away. Wow. And I don't like to compare. Yeah. Because it's not fair to do that. Yeah. But it's, they're just different group. It's just different. Yeah. We just have a lot of, a lot in common. I don't feel like I have to be the mom. What do you mean you were drinking over the weekend? You're not even trying. That's going to ruin all your progress. <laughs> That's amazing. So I enjoy that age around the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, I love that. And are those people that have grown up with fitness or are they trying to regain mobility and strength? A little bit of both. A lot of them didn't start training till they were like in their 30s and 40s. Some of these clients I've had for the last 20 years. Wow. Some of these clients were at the very first year or two of training. That's amazing. I it's so crazy. Yeah. I've trained four generations of them. Wow. I, I started with the mom. Actually, I started with a the daughter. Then I started training her mom. And then I started training her grandmother. And then I started training her son. Oh. So wow. four generations. I had her on my schedule when she was pregnant with the son that I trained. when he And he had trained when I, he was like 15, 16. 16 because he was driving to a session. I grew up with these. It's so crazy. Yeah. What are some of your biggest pet peeves about misconceptions for people who maybe the misconceptions people have about personal training or fitness? I would say one of the most people are afraid of personal trainers. And I think it's because they think that, and not all personal trainers are created equal either. So some people have reason to be. I, some, I'm afraid of some personal trainers I see with some of the things that they have their clients do that they shouldn't be doing at a certain age. Yeah. So I guess one of the misconceptions is that your trainer is doesn't understand you or, or not going to not going to understand your abilities. But they're not wrong. That if you get the wrong trainer, you're right. If you get a trainer, if you're 50 years old and you've not really worked out in the last 10 years, and they want you starting off with CrossFit, that's not a good idea. Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're getting a, the right trainer. So I think that the, my best advice for that is to research your trainer and make sure that they have enough credibility. Male trainers, this is what I was going to mention. Male clients are afraid of male trainers because they're more embarrassed mm. that they're not going to be able to do what they think they should be able to do as a man. Yeah. And so that's why 50% of my schedule are males because I think they're afraid of what a male personal trainer is going to think. Or do. Oh, that's, that's so interesting, but I wish that it wasn't like that. I know. You know what, I, what I have found in the gym too, I and this is something that that I wish everybody knew. A lot of times an overweight person is embarrassed to go to the gym. They don't want to go. And I hear it all the time. I've heard people call me on the phone and say, I want to train with you, but I want to lose about 35 pounds before I come into the gym. I'm embarrassed. And I don't know what makes them think that they should be embarrassed because I'm going to tell you right now, anybody listening who's in that situation, if you are an overweight person and you're going to the gym, everybody in that gym is applauding you. Yeah. You might not know it, but they're all applauding you. Nobody is saying, oh my gosh, look at this person. Everyone is like, oh my gosh, good for them. Look at this. And if some of us fit people don't talk to you, it's not because we're secretly making fun of you or thinking bad things about you. It's because we don't want you to know that we see you because we know you're embarrassed right. or we know that you're already, it's taken all you have to get yourself there. But I would love to encourage you, if you are scared or embarrassed, to walk up to the first fit person at the gym and start a conversation. You will be amazed at how nice and how happy 
the fit people are to see you there and to have you there. Yeah, I feel we, like every we, when you work out, you get those like happiness hormones. And I feel like yes. people at the gym are just full of them. Yes, we're very nice people. Fit people, typically, not always, yeah. but typically very nice people. And so maybe can mm -hmm. you talk a bit about what is your book called? And where can people find it? And you also do, you've done more than write a book. You've got some really cool online programs. Can you talk a bit about that? Sure. My book is called Nerves of Steel. And love the play on words on that. My, my last name is Steel. So it just, it was just fitting. You can find it on Amazon. And you, and I would look up Nerves of Steel by Linda Steele with an E at the end because there are a couple other books called Nerves of mm. Steel. My picture's on the front cover, so you can't miss it. And I also have a website, if you can't remember the Amazon thing, which I can't imagine you're not, but nervesofsteel.net is my website, and you can click on the link, and it will bring you right to Amazon to get the book as well. As far as my workout programs, I do have a couple workout programs. One of them is called Shed and Shred, and it's a great six-week program, and I give you three days a week with this program what you should do. So my program is based on a three-day-a-week split, which is something that you and I talked about prior to getting on this show. Yeah. And the reason I love this three-day-a-week split is because I recommend four days of rest. The reason I think that's important is because when somebody starts this idea of, okay, I'm going to work out, they go into it, balls to the wall, seven days a week, Hour of cardio, hour of like, and you cannot sustain that. Yeah. You cannot. <laughs> so after for about a week, again, you have all this adrenaline. You're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. But after a week, you're like, oh my gosh, this is so hard on the body. And you're going to fail. If you go into it with this mentality of seven days a week, three hours a day, nobody has that kind of time. Nobody has that kind of energy. Nobody can fit that into their day. Yeah. And it's not healthy for you either. Your body has to rest. Yeah. So my program is based on a three-day like which exactly what the Shed and Shred program is. I recommend 20 minutes of rigorous cardio prior to lifting so that you could decrease your chance of injuries significantly, warm up the muscles, warm up the joints. After 20 minutes of cardio, about 10 minutes of abs, I give you some abdominal ideas, things to do for your abs. And then one day a week, I pick biceps and triceps. One day a week, I pick shoulder, back, chest. And one day a week, I pick legs. I dedicate the entire workout to those specific muscle groups. Because you want to make sure that you're working a muscle long enough and hard enough to actually make a difference. Yeah. So once you do a bicep tricep day, the next day you take off as a rest day. Then you work out again and you take another day off as a rest day. If you have to do back-to-back -back days, that's fine. You just, you know, it's okay. But ideally, workout, rest, workout, rest, workout, rest. That's typically how I would recommend. Two days rest after leg day. You're probably going to need it if you're doing a good enough <laughs> leg day. Yeah. All in the program. But there's progression involved. So I give you three to four different supersets in each bicep, tricep, shoulder, back, leg workout so that you have plenty to do while you're at the gym. I give you amount of rest time. So you're resting 30 seconds to a minute, sometimes two minutes, but so you can get in and out within an hour typically. I think that's so good. So, yeah. Before we started, I was saying how my flaw is that if I'm not like training for the Olympics or the CrossFit Games, then I think well, I better not do anything and I'll just audition for my 600 pound life. I need to learn that there's like a balance and it's okay to go two or three days a week. It's better than doing nothing. Absolutely. If you can get your diet in order, I have a nutrition plan coming out. The reason it's not out yet is because I'm scratching my head over it because planning somebody's diet or nutrition is so individually based that I just feel there's not a plan that I've been able to come up with that doesn't make me feel a little frivolous when I put it out mm. there. Ah, this is good for everybody because it's not. Yeah. You have people 
allergies. You have people with restrictions. You have people who don't like certain things. If I eat tuna fish every single day at lunch and people hate tuna fish, my program is worthless to them. There are certain things that I, then there's the vegetarian version and then there's the, so there's so many things that take into consideration. I just, I've yet to come up with a program. I'm working on it though. That doesn't make me feel like I'm not doing a service to the person who's going to be paying me the money for it. Yeah, that's admirable because a lot of people just say, here's my nutrition program. You'll lose weight and gain muscle. And yeah, it doesn't take into consideration that every body is different. So I'm working on it now if you can get your diet in order and you can contact me for your diet. I do sell nutrition plans online there and they are individual. They're very specific. We communicate via email or or phone or Zoom. Then I will be able to dial in your nutrition plan for you. And then again, those two to three days a week at the gym will work even better. Yeah. You can get your diet in order, work out, everything just really settles in your body, gets into a perfect balance. And you're going to start losing body fat until you're at essential body fat. We were laughing about how much we hate technology, but one, one of the nice things is that you're in Chicago, but you're accessible to anybody in the world who maybe senses that like, yeah, like Linda does seem like somebody I would hire and I need help. You're not confined to just this group of people where you live geographically. It's been amazing in that. I have clients in the UK. I have clients in Sweden. I have clients in Miami. I have clients in LA. Yeah. It's really, it's been really great. I trained a man who worked on a cruise ship. So I don't even remember calling out, calling in from. Yeah. Everywhere. That's so smart. Yeah, that's great. Linda, you're such a joy. You're so kind and inspirational. Your story is, I think, relatable, and I'm really excited to read your book. Thank you. Thank you. I sent you a copy. I'm not sure if you got it, but I had no, not yet, but I'll check. I sent it to my work because I'm there every day. I was like, I'll probably safely get it there. But so I will check and I will read it. Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'll let you get on with your day and yeah, we'll have to catch up again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Great to meet you. You too. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you found our conversation informative and entertaining. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to follow me on social media, share this podcast with your friends, and leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash I did not sign up for this. Your support means the world to me. If you want more interviews, exclusive content, and ad-free episodes, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash I did not sign up for this. I hope you all have a fantastic week ahead, and we'll talk soon. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. 
Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.